Hello, I'm Dr. Claire Pochet. I'm a general pediatrician and also a senior health advisor here at the Oregon Health Authority. And we thought we'd start by giving you a quick update on where we are as a state with COVID-19. As of today, there have been 38,160 cases of COVID-19 in Oregon, with 390 new cases being reported today. Sadly, we are also reporting three deaths today, bringing the statewide total for COVID-19 related deaths to 608. Maybe don't be dressed like a clown for that part. Like what the actual f Sup, you beautiful bastards. Hope you've had a fantastic Thursday. Welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Buckle up, hit that like button, and let's just jump into it. And first up today, let's talk about an update and also insight regarding celebrities and the election. And this is a conversation we have and sometimes multiple times every election cycle about celebrities getting involved with politics. Where we constantly see that debate of if insert celebrity endorses whoever, does that move the needle? Does it maybe change minds? Does it activate people who have the same opinion? And or does it get someone that was maybe apathetic or just wasn't involved before and motivate them to get involved, choose a side? And it's always an interesting debate to look at. I also think that a, a number of the responses do seem hypocritical. It feels like the more that I actually look, the more you find someone that when uh, insert celebrities supported this candidate, they're like, shut up, no one cares. But then when a different celebrity supports their side, they're like, see? Some of them get it, right? And you see examples and different versions of this on both sides. With the most recent version of this, focusing on Jack Nicholas and Jay Cutler, who came out and endorsed Donald Trump. But as far as the question at the center of this story, does a celebrity's endorsement mean anything? We look today to a survey that was conducted by Whitman Insight Strategies and MRC Data. They polled likely voters across the US from October 8th to the 13th to examine the intersections of entertainment, influence, and politics ahead of the election, with researchers asking voters to specify whose opinion they trusted most, as well as name the issues they wanted celebrities to address, right? Things like COVID-19, racial justice, healthcare, climate change, and more. And what they found is that overall, 12% of people surveyed reported that an entertainer or athlete influenced their thinking regarding the election. You know, that 12% is a really standout percentage because that means that a massive majority of people say, no, we are not affected by entertainers or athletes when it comes to politics. But as far as elections are concerned, 12%, 12 points is a huge, number. That is a change the results of an election number. Also, interestingly, the survey found that influence was reported higher among specific groups, with 28% of black voters saying they were influenced by a star regarding the election, 20% of Hispanic and Latino voters, 17% LGBTQ voters, 17% of Gen Z and millennials. And when it comes to parties, 17% of Democrats surveyed said they were, in comparison to only 9% of Republicans. And as far as people, among those surveyed, 36% said that LeBron James has done the most to raise awareness and motivate people regarding voting. Followed by Taylor Swift with 13%, Dwayne The Rock Johnson at 9 Oprah Winfrey with 6% and so on. Also, as far as who voters trust the most regarding political and social issues in America, Tom Hanks was in first place with 49%, followed by The Rock, Winfrey, and then James. With Democrats trusting those four the most, and then for Republicans, it was greatly different, ranked as the most influential voice for Republican voters at 46%. You had Kid Rock, followed by Ted Nugent, and then Tom Hanks and The Rock. The answers to these questions also differed by age. For Gen Z voters specifically, Zendaya was named the star with the most trusted opinions. And in terms of issues, 75% of people said they wanted to see entertainers use their platforms to address social and political issues, specifically addressing the COVID-19 pandemic, voting, and racial justice in America. So for me, this survey is just interesting to kind of get into other people's heads for a moment. And uh, to bring it back to the point, I think that while for a lot of people, a celebrity endorsement does not matter, apparently it matters to enough 
people. Though, uh, on the note of influence, actually, I just want to talk about something else for a second. If you see this woman or this man on Twitter or Facebook or wherever, please know that these are comedians and not actual Trump supporters. Otherwise, you will look as silly as so many people have these past few months, including Michael Moore, who was among many who got tricked by Blair Erskine yesterday. She did a skit as a woman who was stranded at that MAGA rally in Omaha. I think he did this to teach us a lesson. I really do. What was that lesson? Um, well, that's not really for me to know. And that's actually a pretty nasty of you to ask. Literally any research whatsoever would let you know that this is a joke. Like if you just click her name, it says, I'm doing my little skits, Black Lives Matter. And same for Brett Terhune, who constantly, even though his videos constantly go viral, gets mistaken as an actual Trump supporter in his video, and whose bio reads, comedian, you're here because you thought that video was real. But it still keeps happening almost every time. There's at least one or two people that are like, can you believe this person? So yeah, hopefully I just saved some people from looking stupid in the near future. Though, uh, that is sometimes what makes those posts so fun. But that said, to bring this back around to the full main story, the question I wanna pose to you is, has there been any celebrity or person online or in entertainment or whatever that has spoken up or done something and it made you go, yes, I, I am now going to vote or I'm going to switch who I'm voting for or I'm going to register to vote and maybe vote for the first time. Based off of the numbers we're seeing, the answer should almost be an overwhelming no. But to the, maybe it turns out to be 12% of people, I'd be very interested to know who, what, when, where, why. Especially as someone over the past few months who's gotten a lot of messages from people saying, this is my first time voting, I watched the show, I figured I have to register. I feel like that's probably the more likely scenario that people are getting pushed off of the sidelines rather than people actually having a change of heart. Yeah, let me know, I'm very interested. And then because this is the second to last Philip DeFranco show before election day, let's talk about election news that may actually impact you. So. To start off here, one of the weirdest stories that we're seeing involves Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. This because when he went to vote on Monday, he was temporarily delayed from voting after a clerk told him that there was a problem with his address. With that clerk telling DeSantis that his address had been changed from the governor's mansion in Tallahassee to a random home in West Palm Beach. And it was strange because it, it, he doesn't have a vacation home there or anything. He doesn't know this address. So immediately people start questioning this. Is this a technical glitch? Is it something more malicious? And as it turns out, in now unsealed court documents, investigators said that DeSantis's address had actually been changed illegally without his knowledge. And those investigators said they arrested someone for this, arresting 20-year-old Anthony Guevara and charging him with two third-degree felonies, including voter fraud, with Guevara admitting to having changed DeSantis's address to that of an unnamed YouTube personality. According to investigators, Guevara also accessed voter information on Senator Rick Scott, as well as LeBron James and Michael Jordan, though, unlike DeSantis, he didn't change their records. Also, with a story as far as how he changed DeSantis's address, it turns out it was actually very easy. In some counties in Florida, it turns out you only need to know someone's birthday to be able to change the address they have listed on the Department of State's website. And around this, you had Mark Early, an election supervisor in Florida, saying that the system is actually deliberately convenient, citing college students who tend to move around a lot. Though, you also have Earley saying what is abnormal is for the change to be done fraudulently. And adding, this is not a hard thing to do, but there are pretty severe penalties for doing this. But of course, being now five days out of the election, this has raised serious questions about voter security in Florida. Though, of note here, you did have Early saying that any fraudulent changes or outdated information can be fixed quickly at any polling place. Also noting that those changes do not prevent voters from casting their votes. So, something to keep our eyes on, but also, I guess we're 
where this part of this story ends is to Guevara, I hope this little troll was worth two felonies. You fucking dum-dum. Then, of course, regarding voting and the election, we should talk about the news coming from the U.S. Supreme Court because the Supreme Court has now rejected here two GOP-led efforts that sought to restrict the date in which mail-in ballots could be received by election officials. And if you're wondering where the newly minted Justice Amy Coney Barrett fell on this decision, she actually didn't participate. This reportedly because of the need for a prompt resolution and because she had not had the time to fully review written arguments submitted to the court. But as far as those cases go, they come from Pennsylvania and North Carolina. Pennsylvania's extension allowing election officials to continue collecting mail-in ballots until next Friday, so long as they are postmarked by election day. And in North Carolina, election officials can collect ballots until November 12th. But again, they must be postmarked no later than election day, right? Tuesday. Now with this, it seems like a big win for democracy, a big win for voters who are concerned that the mail might be delayed, that their vote may be invalidated due to no fault of their own. However, it is not that simple. While yes, these extensions will remain in place for now, we might still end up seeing a post-election decision made. With Justice Alito writing in a statement, there is simply not enough time, right, to issue a pre-election decision. And Pennsylvania officials also seem to be prepping for this, with them telling election officials in the state to segregate ballots received after 8 p.m. on Tuesday. And that is incredibly notable because this isn't the first time that the Pennsylvania case has come before the Supreme Court. There last week, the court was deadlocked four to four, so we saw the lower court decision granting that extension stay. And so if this case did come back, with Barrett now there to cast a vote, we're not gonna see that deadlock. And all of this is a very big deal. This type of decision could potentially affect the outcome of an election in some states. In fact, according to the US Elections Project, a nonpartisan site tracking early voting, as of today, more than 39 million out of the 90 million mail ballots requested by voters across the state have not yet been returned. This, including key swing states like Florida, where over 1.7 million requested ballots have not yet been returned, as well as 1 million in Pennsylvania. And while experts say it is possible that many people who requested ballots have since decided to vote in person instead, those numbers are still notable and give us a potential range of impacts. Because for many of those millions of people who have not yet returned their ballot, their options are now much more limited. And so I will say what I said in Tuesday's show again, and I really cannot emphasize this enough. If you live in one of the roughly 30 states that require ballots to be received by election day and have not yet voted, it is too late to mail in your ballot, right? Even the USPS says that people need to mail in their ballots a full week ahead of the deadline of counting set by their state. Though, and this is part of the concern, experts say that it could actually take even longer in some places. And the reason I am saying this again is because even though we've seen a lot of officials warning people in places with election day deadlines not to send in their ballots if they have not already, we are still seeing mixed messages being sent in some key states. For example, in Michigan, despite the fact that the Michigan Secretary of State told people on Tuesday it was too late to use the postal service, the next day, the postmaster for Grand Rapids told people they should trust the post office to deliver their ballots on time, saying that he himself mailed his ballot the same day he received it, which was a day later than the USPS recommendation. But even there, I mean, the fact that he received his ballot less than a week before the deadline to mail it in is also a cause for alarm, right? If the city's postmaster didn't get his ballot until then, how many others also didn't? And that's not just limited to Grand Rapids or even Michigan as a whole. Plenty of voters are having issues all over the country. And in some places, that's not an accident. It's literally part of the plan. For example, in Texas, election officials have outright said that mail-in ballots are still being sent to voters through this week. This, despite the fact that the votes will not be counted in Texas unless they are postmarked by election day and arrive no later than one day after. With the elections administrator in Bexar County, which includes San Antonio, saying that some voters will not get that mail-in ballot until Halloween. With her acknowledging, yes, this is a tight window, but also saying we're pushing it, but that's how it works. But, I mean, here's the thing. 
that's just how it works is a completely unacceptable argument, especially in a state that limits absentee requests to people who are genuinely limited in their ability to vote in person, like the elderly, people with disabilities and overseas voters. It is also a totally unacceptable answer in general, given the fact that the USPS is still experiencing slowdowns as a result of the changes that Postmaster and Trump loyalist Louis DeJoy implemented over the summer. According to reports, before DeJoy took office in June, the USPS delivered upward of 90% of first-class mail, which the election mail falls under on time. But then, after DeJoy gets in there, he implements his so-called cost-cutting measures in July. Those numbers immediately plummeted, and they still remain alarmingly low, even after DeJoy's policies were rolled back. And despite the fact that DeJoy has promised to make election mail his main priority and supply additional resources, the data seems to indicate that he has not followed through. With the agency repeatedly missing its goal to have more than 95% of first-class mail delivered within five days, and according to Postal Service data filed in court as part of a lawsuit and accessed by the Washington Post, as of Tuesday, exactly one week before the election, the agency reported that only 69.8% of mail was on time nationally. But also understand that is just the national average. Key postal districts in a lot of swing states failed to reach even that mark. And according to reports, 17 postal districts that represent 10 battleground states reported the average on-time delivery rate for first-class mail was just 64%, which math is nearly 30% lower than the delivery rate at the beginning of the year. And in fact, in some parts of these absolutely key battleground states, the Postal Service reported that delivery rates fell below 60%, with one of the most extreme examples being the Philadelphia Metro Postal District, where only 43% of Tuesday's mail was delivered on time. With the Los Angeles Times also reporting that in some parts of the country, it has dropped to levels lower than in July when millions of Americans went days, even weeks, without mail. So, with all this, if you're also wondering what the hell is DeJoy actually doing to prioritize mail, to that point, and on at least a sort of kind of good note. On Tuesday, we did see a federal judge in Washington, D.C. ordering DeJoy to boost service, including the number of late mail trips and extra deliveries in order to ensure election mail is on time. But again, based on DeJoy's track record and the fact that a judge literally had to order him to do the bare minimum, right, his job, and having to do so the week before the election, it is unclear how far that will go. But yeah, main point, and I guess regardless, vote, vote, vote. And if you haven't yet, do not mail your ballot if your state's deadline is election day. And honestly, I would go a step further. I would be paranoid. What you think makes sense and what the Supreme Court might think makes sense, they might not align. You are in ballot drop box or voting in person territory. That's what I would do. And if you need help finding those or finding your options in your state, as always, I will link to resources down below, including vote.org. But do not let it keep you from voting because in my opinion, that is the goal. And on that happy note, that's where I'm going to end today's show. As always, thanks for being a part of our daily dives into the news. Also, if you're new here, you want to join the family, hit that subscribe button, maybe even text me at 813-213-4423. But with that said, of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you next time.